Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Corpse Talks where I talk about all the topics of interest to me whether that be political, economic, social, technological, legal, ethical, environmental, cultural, you name it I'll speak about it and today I want to speak about the theme of happiness or eudaimonia which is a Greek term that more closely aligns with the phrase fulfillment and basically try to tease out some philosophical ideas from these concepts. I was reading an article yesterday. It was like um, one of those how-to articles on BBC, like how to hack your happiness hormone, something like that. And they explain the four hormones that are most well associated with happiness as an arbitrary concept. And it was oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, I've completely forgotten the fourth one. Um, oxytocin, endorphins, serotonin. Oh, God. Oh, dopamine. That's it, dopamine. And um, it was talking about how to get those stimulated within your body through various means, external, internal. And it made me realise how much we're conditioned to enjoy certain things but how many things are biological and intrinsic and can't be helped essentially and um I've been feeling content for the past few days yesterday I was very happy and today I got my dip which is what I was expecting you know I'm never I'm never balanced for that long but I tried to relish the happiness which is why in that present moment I've recorded the podcast but it's now quarter to ten in the morning and I'm just working and I just thought let me give myself a little bit of a break to express my feelings verbally so I can get back to work without all of this on my mind and I probably need to journal during my lunch break just to again expend some thoughts in my mind and um I guess I'm gonna talk about things like shade and food the idea of being excited at someone else's demise or enjoying their misfortune and how I don't know how that would be a conditioning that was developed how was that advantageous to anybody in humanity but it's something that's developed and um I see a lot on social media I see a lot of it in person and checking out from it is harder than it seems we talk about a lot to do with moral posturing and who is deserving and I wonder how that models with just the common basic theme of empathy and compassion you know like this idea that if you post more about certain um, life atrocities you are more empathetic than those that don't that, that you signal boost things that you are attention seeker that there's no that there's no um there's no compulsion or duty for you to do that you just do it out of your own means how much of your time and day you dedicate to amplifying causes these are all things that i question all the time and i'm not really a big believer in the moral superiority argument because i don't know what that is beyond social media I don't know how someone who stands in the street during a Saturday afternoon with a poster is an example of moral superiority. It just sounds like somebody cares about our cause and has chosen to spend that time that is probably usually free time for most to express their activism in that cause. So the whole social media thing, I hope to check out of it someday because people are going to say what they're going to say regardless whether you care or not. So that's another thing. Like I've said before, 
I don't know if I said this in the previous episodes, but activism can come in multiple forms, whether that be lobbying the government or boycotting, protesting, ethical consumerism. What else is there? Um, Petitioning. I think some extent journalism, but a particular type of journalism because re-educating the masses is important. Of course, you've got your pro bono activities, your your marches, strikes, hunger strikes. A new one is computer hacking because the internet is such a huge, huge database. Um, And yeah, there's a lot more. I haven't mentioned all of them, but there's a lot more that are known. Right now, I think we're seeing a lot of focus on arts and cultural activism, arguably because it's the most accessible, but because it's so profitable, it can be a difficult realm to enter ethically. You know, you've made a song about Black Lives Matter. The song does numbers, gets multiple views, multiple shares because of the climate, and then none of the money that you earn goes back into the Black Lives Matter movement. You keep it for yourself. Now, some will say you were talented enough to create this song and that it's helped so much towards the movement. But if the people that you're singing about don't benefit at all, then where's the ethic? You've got artists like No Name, Bless Our Heart, who transformed from, I guess, your kooky Chicago rapper, African-American, very, I say kooky because she had a character, a real personality in her raps, and it wasn't what you normally see. She was sexual and she was humane, but she was political and she was socially aware. So it was a combination that went beyond the usual sexual liberation politics that we see for a lot of black women in particular in music. So it was a breath of fresh air, a dash of lime in a in a in a a cold, cool alcoholic drink. And I have seen her grow. And bear in mind, the first time I heard No Name was on Chance the Rapper's album, The Colouring Book. That was when I think she was named No Name Gypsy, and it was that song, Drowning. And I loved her verse. I thought it was transformative. Fantastic. And then I heard another song. Um, I think it was called Israel or something like that, with Chance the Rapper. Like, she's just phenomenal. And um, if you see her Twitter profile and what she shares, she's very openly aware of the fact that she's still learning and people like to dump on her all the time. I think it's a lot to do with misogynoir. I think people can't stand the fact that a woman of her candor is able to be so vocal about all of the mistruths in the industry, all of the abuse in the industry, all of the atrocities globally, and just hold her own and not be afraid. Most people don't have that level of level of confidence most people just trying to secure the bag but this woman is ethical to her heart and still makes mistakes and is shameless enough to or i would say is humble enough to correct them and we don't get people like that a lot so for someone to accuse of moral posturing or thinking she's better than other people individuals like j cole who you know i was a big fan of previously in my younger years but then to find out later on, he was dunking on no name for saying that she, she thinks she's better than people, that she seems like she's coming from a, a better background. And 
telling the guys to read, it sounds like she's, you know, being, I guess, condescending. But the idea is, is that, bear in mind, No Name is not the most well-off middle-class girl you would think. I know that that's a thing sometimes where you get a lot of middle-class blacks dunking down on working-class blacks. You see it in the UK, you see it in the US, you see it everywhere. And I have a bone to pick with that because an access to education and privilege is obviously going to give you some kind of understanding that perhaps the working-class person doesn't. But then again, that would lead to the assumption that people who are working class are not educated. But we know that most political education comes from them by design, in the sense that the hardship they live through gives the middle class black people material to then analyse and produce doctorates and and masters and and books and literature on the struggle of black people. We know what race is, but we be we complicate class a lot and that's something that I need to read more because my social understanding of class is still quite poor so I won't speak too far on that but I just wanted to go back to the point of moral posturing it's the idea that if you care about something suddenly you think you're better than people and I just wonder is it people's insecurity that they're not doing enough for this issue or their community or there's a self-indulgence there that they don't want to speak about those things and to be honest with you in my opinion in many respects, that is absolutely fine. It's your social media platform. There is no obligation for you to talk about certain stuff all the time. You know, not everybody was born to be an activist. And that's not said condescendingly. That's just said truthfully. You don't need to feel, um, what's the word? You don't need to feel guilty for that. That's who you are. It's what you do. Again, social media is a new phenomenon. I always tell people it's something that was developed less than 20 years ago mobile phones were only a thing since the past 50 years or 60 years we are not meant to know this much information we are not meant to be this communicative and i don't think it's a coincidence that all of the writers who were this educated in the world's atrocities were horrified by it and it made them very unwell you've got your sylvia plaths you've got your james baldwins who will tell you that learning all the information that they learned scarred them as James Baldwin says, to be a Negro in this country and relatively conscious is to be in a rage all the time. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not sure the exact quote. But Sylvia Plath also talks about how she learned so much and she wishes she could learn more. She feels incapable, but this is a woman who learned so much that she went to one of the top universities in the world. You know, So it's not a case of not knowing enough. It's how do you process it? I think of it as a biological process when you're nourishing yourself with food you have to have some kind of enzyme to break it down and I wonder whether we are missing that enzyme when we are learning all of these things going on in the world whether it's the Palestine and Gaza conflict I'm sorry Israel and Gaza conflict or the ethnic cleansing of Uyghur Muslims in China or um, Hazara, Shia, Muslims in Afghanistan and so on and so forth. It just seems like there's so much pain in the world and there's much more that I'm not even mentioning. You've got natural disasters going on in the Caribbean. You've got Nigerians being massacred in the Middle Belt. Uh, every country has one and you do ask yourself, what can I do? There's a measure of helplessness here. And I'm always big on doing what you can within your expertise. If you know you have a certain qualification that might help with this issue, then use that qualification and perhaps offer free services. Activism, activism, like I said, comes in many forms. 
don't know how useful it is for me with 70, 80 followers to post certain links all the time because what are the chances of them going viral? Who's going to actually gain traction from it? But I know that if I'm writing a report on something and I'm a decent writer, an article, I can share that on a website that already has thousands of followers and then that can get some traction. And Tarana Burke, I believe, wrote, not wrote, was interviewed for um, The Cut. And um, The Cut is a digital magazine and Tarana Burke is like the innovator of the Me Too movement. And she is one of those women who actually ironically doesn't stay very much in the limelight. And I think that's a credit to who she is. The article that I'm talking about in question is literally like is literally titled Tawana Burke is just trying to do the work. And the work is not about the infamy or being the face of an industry or movement. It's the it's the it's the quality of the activism. You know, and I want that to be me. I want to be so invested in the work that when people talk, they don't say, oh, have you seen Coco? It's, have you read Coco? You know, it's not this open sesame brand slash human slash persona slash personality. I don't like that weird trichotomy. Um, I face what I call the quadruple consciousness. And I got that term from a academic essay that was basically documenting Nina Simone's I don't even say metaphysical but let's say a metaphysical understanding of self to be black to be woman to be a creative to be classically trained it's a very good article slash essay and I really encourage everyone to read it I will post it in the in the um, information box but in talking about these themes I'm well aware of the fact that we're living in a very superficial era, you know, whereby if your face doesn't fit a certain profile, if you don't come out and say something, it's like you're anonymous. Or the issue doesn't gain as much traction. I know that Bella Hadid talking about solidarity with Palestinians will gain more traction than a journalist doing it and that's just life and to some extent I'm okay with that but to another extent I wonder who I wonder when we will reckon with the facts of our situation of where we are right now as a world the Palestinian conflict is something that most black revolutionaries if not all have mentioned is an absolute travesty and Palestinians should be freed for some reason people seem to think that blackness or Black Lives Matter is more popular than the issues facing Muslims around the world. People say, why isn't there traction for the Uyghur Muslims? I hope I'm pronouncing that right, by the way, in China. 
the Palestinian Muslims and other demographics who are under siege every day. And I guess I would respond to that by saying that, firstly, it's not true. There is definitely a lot of traction and attention for these issues globally. I think the over-representation of black people on social media has led people to believe there is more traction for issues than there genuinely is. Because we lack so much governmental power, we lack so much authoritative power in the community that we sprint to social media to raise awareness for something that someone else could just find an MP and directly challenge them with. Our forms of activism are not any more substantive than other forms of activism. It is just more popular because people use social media every single day. I think it's important to recognise these different forms of activism and how they are relevant to the different demographics in question. Sometimes there are organisational groups in charities that are doing the work and submitting statements to authorities like courts, courts of justice, MPs, and whether they get results is another story. But in the black community, sometimes there aren't even any groups like such. When there are groups like such, they get disbanded or accused of things like, you know, race baiting or even terrorism, for God's sake. Look how they've treated the Black Lives Matter movement in the UK. Whether people agree with all the causes is another story. But this idea of just a group of black people fighting for a cause in the UK cannot exist. It's not, it's like activism is limited to recruitment or representation and very very rarely any actual issues that condemn black people to death, whether that be medical malpractice or misunderstanding and violence in the community domestic and public or simple product liability for the items we use in our hair and our skin that causes harm things like that you know and it hurts to therefore see people claim that black people don't care and really the most we get is a tweet from a leading black figure if those even exist who would then go on to monetize their traction and never reinvest back in the community. We don't have those groups that other people have, you know? There are groups in the world, international organizations that are subject to international law and submit to international bodies when they have an issue and it seems that black people themselves lack that. And that's a very generalist statement, but black people in the UK 
There aren't many organisations that primarily focus on our activism. It would usually be a BAME, B-A-M-E group, you know? So I just wanted to bring that up. And I guess I'm making this podcast to excuse myself for my lack of attention sometimes towards certain issues because I know I can share them and build awareness, but there's got to be more, something more practical, you know, and I won't dwell, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I don't know how from happiness to activism, but I guess in circling back, it makes me happy to post something that someone didn't know about and educate them on it, that gives me a rush of perhaps dopamine, I'm not sure what the drug is, makes me feel settled. But I think what the problem is, is that a lot of us gain joy from people not doing well. I know that sounds weird, but the idea is someone is doing worse than us. For some people, it's not not a pity party, but a, at least it's not us, it could have been us type thing. You see that in, in, in fighting in communities, in marginalised communities, could have been worse, those kind of ideas. They're not helpful to any kind of activism. I think we really just need to learn to support one another, just at bare basic, compassionate theme of theme of caring for one another, being ethical, understanding that you posting a hundred stories doesn't make you any don't say, okay, so you posting a hundred stories about an issue I wouldn't say it makes you more moral about anything, but it just means you're more willing to share, and I think that's a good thing, you know? And people shouldn't take it as a as an affront to their lack of activism. It's hard to know what to do. But like I've mentioned, there are many things you can do. But if, if we aren't conscious of the types of activism we can engage with, then nothing will change. And that's the truth. So I think I'm going to leave the article. Article. I need to write an article. I've been meaning to write an article for a while. But it's all in my diary. I'll do it in due time. So I just want to say, I guess, in terms of happiness, I can understand how you can be maybe happy one day or feeling good one day and then go online and see something negative and have that make you feel worse. And I would never say don't protect yourself against that. I would never say don't don't compromise that. I don't think it's healthy, the amount of information we intake that is traumatic, which, like I said, has no form of meta, 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 uh, can't speak, metabolism. We don't get to break it down and put it into other things. We're just meant to sit with it and live with it, like a, like a kidney stone, you know. And I don't like that. I don't want that to be a thing, but I know it is. And um, that's why I'm retracting from it. My urge to check Instagram, I have to defeat it. It's not easy. It's an urge that has been acquired for a long time, but my boredom will no longer hopefully be in scrolling socials. It's in hopefully something more productive. And when I'm not being productive, I'm allowed to rest, but also just be more direct with communication with friends and family, 
wanted to speak to someone and just calling them up as opposed to checking their social media, you know. So I'm going to go on. This is the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to speaking in another episode. Bye. Take care.